<clears throat> but sometimes that's how we act, isn't it? We act like it's the me church. We bring those up just a little bit. Last week, we began a series called The Table, hence the table in the middle of the room. And what we said was the table, the church is the table where hungry people come to get fed. Jesus Christ said, I am the bread of life. That means he's the ultimate food that feeds our soul level needs. And we believe that the ultimate food deserves the ultimate presentation. And we said that not only um, is the church the table where the hungry come to get fed, but we said that the church has chairs around it. Now, this first chair here, this this chair is is for me, because we said that that the pastor's job is to bring the food every week. So I'm the dude with the food. The food is the word of God, the Bible, the bread of life. So this chair is mine. But but a healthy church is going to be made up of three other chairs. Now, this chair, this chair represents the mature. This is someone who has who's been a Christian, but they're not just a Christian. They have they have fed from the bread of life, but they push back from the table and they're serving. They're giving of their time, their talents and their treasure. They're serving people. They're inviting people. This this chair represents the mature and it represents a third of a healthy church. This chair right here, this next third, this represents brand new believers. Their faith is fresh. They've just come across the line of faith. They've just given their lives to Christ, made that commitment, and, and they're feeding at the table as well. And the job that I have and, and that the church has is to help them move from that chair into this chair, into the mature chair. Now, there's another third represented by this chair. This chair would be those people who are still seeking. And a seeker, we said, is someone who has not not sure about Christianity yet. They're, they're still checking out the claims of Christianity. They're checking out the church to see if the church really is who they, they say they are, if the individuals in there really do follow Christ. And so that's what this third represents, is, uh, is those who aren't, haven't given themselves to Christ yet. And the reason that we said that, that a church, a healthy church, is, is made up of thirds is this. In, in a healthy ecosystem, spiritual ecosystem, the mature people feeding from the bread of life, the ultimate food, pushing themselves away from the table, coming over here, inviting their hell-bound friends who are facing a Christless eternity, inviting them to the table. And as they come to the table, and as we present the bread of life in the best way that we can, the most compelling, creative ways that we can, they feed from that. And they begin to taste and see that the Lord is good, is what Psalm 34, 8 says. They taste that God is good, and eventually we believe they're going to give their hearts to Christ, and they move into this chair. And then they... Uh, they continue to eat and they continue to feed. And then as they mature, they push away from the table, they serve. And you've got this beautiful spiritual ecosystem going on. That's a healthy church, not just made up of mature believers, not just made up of those that are brand new Christians, but a third. We should be moving around and, and seeking thirds. Now, here at New Life Community Church, we're about two things. We talked about this last week. I'm just giving review for those of you who were here. Um, we said we're going to build believers and we're going to serve seekers. That's what we're about at New Life. So I want you to say that with me. We're going to build believers, serve seekers. Ready? Build believers, serve seekers. You can tell some of you practiced that last week because you said it with gumption the first time. We don't have to do it again. Well, how in the world do we do that? We build believers by serving them the ultimate food, um, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And as they serve, they are nourished and, and we feed them each week from the word of God. When they push away from the table and they serve others, they begin to feed themselves. It's, it's an incredible deal that God set up here. Because really, I am just one beggar telling another beggar where to come and get food. And we believe that's what's happening uh, in the church. We put the majority of our energy 
into the weekend services, because it doesn't take a rocket science scientist to figure out that this is where we have the three chairs in any church. I don't care whether it's healthy or unhealthy in any church that you go to. Um, the biggest opportunity to impact the most people is the weekend service. So we put our time, our talent, our energy doing what we do on the weekends takes a tremendous amount of energy and work. And so it takes a lot of people to push away from the table and to serve so that we can do this. Now, look at Hebrews 10:25. It says some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship. We must not do that. I want you to circle those words if you're looking on your listening guide. We must not do that. It says some people are not coming to worship. And the reason, um, well, we'll talk about that in a second. We should keep on encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching is what the rest of the verse says. The day approaching means that, that life is not getting better. Our world is not getting better. It's getting worse. And that means there's going to be a time that Jesus Christ is going to come back and he is going to judge the world. And we're supposed to gather even more as we see the world going to hell in a handbasket basket. So what we say around here, we have a, a, a slogan and the slogan is it's the weekend, stupid. Because we want to remind ourselves that everything we do is about the weekend because it's about the three chairs. Whenever I'm talking, everything we do in our planning, we're thinking about the three chairs. We're thinking about the mature believers, the, the faith is fresh believers and those who are facing a Christless eternity. If we don't do something every time I, I, I do a talk. When I'm working during the week, I'm thinking about the three chairs because that's who I'm talking to is the three chairs. So we've got to we've got to serve this food in a compelling way so that this is what happens. People leave here and they go, dude, this restaurant has good food. Come check it out. Because when you're doing that, when you leave here and you invite somebody to this restaurant, you are handing out samples of the bread of life. And that's the reason you were put here on this earth. Jesus put you where you are. God put you where you are. Put me where I am so that we can hand out samples of the bread of life. Samples of, of the good food that comes from God that meets and nourishes your soul. That's what we're here on this earth to do. Um, I'm the dude with the food. Like I said, the food is the Bible. So the pastor's job is to lead and to feed. Jesus told Peter, one of his followers, in John 21:18, he said, Feed my sheep. Well, one of the goals that we have here at the church is to have at New Life Community Church is to have a well-fed church. Well, how do you do that? The way you do that is you serve a balanced meal. You serve a balanced menu. Um, if you think about the things that we've done uh, over the past year, just the past year, if you've been here that long, we've done a series on relationships. We've done a series on marriage. We've done a series on fear. We've done a series on decision-making. We've done series on uh, finances and serving. And, and the reason we do that is because we believe uh, believers and seekers both have needs in those areas. And so we can build believers while serving seekers at the same time. Well, I want to show you real quickly um, what this will look like. We believe as you serve hungry people, the bread of life, life change happens. And as a matter of fact, that's why God gave us the Bible. God didn't, didn't give us the Bible for information. He gave us the Bible for transformation. God expects life change to happen. And, and when life change begins to happen, then we believe we are succeeding as a church. Here's what it looks like at the center of our church. You have this on your listening guide and it's going to come up here at the center of our church. I want you to write the word core, C-O-R-E, core. The core of our church are the people who are involved in the different ministries of the church. They're the leaders, they're the ministers, the workers, the servers, the greeters, the musicians, the ushers, the people who run the children's ministry, the youth ministry. If you're a member of our church serving in a place of leadership, we call you the core. 
That's because they are committed to serving others. And what we say all the time is you become what you are committed to. These people are in the core are committed to serving others. The next group out is a little bit bigger. We call that group the, the committed. These people in our church are committed to spiritual growth. They're growing in their Christian faith. They're strong believers, but for whatever reason, um, they are not serving in, in ministry yet. These people have committed themselves to the habits of spiritual growth. They're growing in the Lord. These would be the people that are in the second chair, but we don't want them to stay in the second chair. We want them to move to the third chair. The next group out is a little bit bigger. It's called the actual members of the church. They're committed to membership. We call that group the congregation. They are more than just attenders. They're actual members of the church. They say, yes, I want to be a part of this. I believe God has called me to be a part of the body of Christ called New Life. Next group out are those who are committed to attendance. That's the group that shows up on Sunday morning. We call that the crowd for obvious reasons. That's where we have the biggest crowd is Sunday mornings. The outer circle is what we call the community, and that represents everybody within driving distance of our church that we want to reach for Jesus Christ. We want them to come to know Christ. We want to keep reaching out, and we don't grow for our benefit. Did you know the bigger the church gets, the more headaches that the pastors have? The more visits, the more weddings, the more funerals that, that we have to do. We don't grow for our benefit. We grow because Jesus Christ said, I want everyone to know me. I don't want anyone to face a Christless eternity. So as long as there's someone within driving distance of our church who does not know God, we are commanded, compelled to grow. So we've got to keep doing that. People need the Lord. So how do you move from one circle to the other? I know that's just the question that popped up in your mind, and I'm glad that it did because that's where I'm going next. Third chair people get fed the bread of life. They push back from the table to serve people who are far from God. Then these people start coming to New Life Community Church. Here's what happens. When hellbound people come to the church, and, and I'm, I'm not trying to you know, cast stones at, at anybody. I think you all know that. We welcome everybody at the church. But if you do not know Jesus according to the Bible and according to Jesus Christ himself, you will face a Christless eternity if you die before accept, accepting what he's done for you on the cross. And so I'm just talking about reality when I say when hellbound people come, they can begin to um, watch worship because by definition, people who do not know Christ cannot worship. They can come and participate and they can begin to taste and see that the Lord is good that I mentioned earlier. And then we believe that, that as they do, then they'll give their lives to Christ. It's at that point that we do this. You have um, you have a baseball diamond on the back of your listening guide. We ask them to go through membership class, discovering church membership. That's class 101. So where first base should be on your listening guide, right? 101. That's the beginning uh, class. That's how you connect to our church. And why do we ask people to commit to church membership? Well, because God never intended for members of his family to be orphans. And if you are not attached to a local body of Christ, then you are an orphan. And God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to be a part of, of a group of local believers. In the, in the New Testament, um, church is, is used over a 100 times. And 99% of the time, it's used to refer to a local body of believers, not just the universal church that everybody's a Christian around the world. You know, I'm part of that invisible church. God doesn't want you to be part of an invisible, invisible church because when you go through hard times, do the invisible members of the invisible church come to visit you? No, they don't. He wants you to be a part of a local body of believers so that you can have a family that helps you go through the tough times. And the reason God wants you to be attached to be connected is because there's two things in life that you cannot do by yourself. One thing you cannot do by yourself is get married, at least not yet. 
I mean, there's probably some wacko out there that's going to try it, and then he'll find some judge that goes along with him, and, you know, they'll try to marry himself. Whoo! Um, <laughs> that's, that's beyond my grasp there, man. Um, but there's another thing you cannot do by yourself, and that's live the Christian life. You want to know why? Because there are over 50 commands in the New Testament that you cannot obey if you are not attached, if you're not connected to a local body of believers. People say all the time, I can worship God just as well out on that, that boat on Sunday morning. Yes, you can, but I don't think you do. Let's be real. When I'm fishing, about the only time I pray when I'm fishing is when I'm not catching fish. And I feel guilty. I'm like, Lord, just one. And I think sometimes just because he has a sense of humor, he doesn't let me catch any. You know, because, dude, you just want to catch fish. You don't want to worship me. You don't worship out there. And, is, and, and here's another thing. You think about this. We talked about this in our small group last week. When you take the embers of the fire, the coals of the fire, and you spread them out so that they're no longer touching, what happens to the coals? They go out. You keep them together. The heat generates longer. You can take a cold coal, stick it in the middle of those that are hot, and it generates the heat. That's why the body of Christ is such an important thing, and we want people to be connected. Membership shows us who can be counted on as well. When people say, I want to be a member, then they're saying, you know, I know there are bills to be paid. I know that the lights don't come on by themselves. I know that, that all of this stuff doesn't happen by itself. They say, I want to step up. I want to be, um, I want to be counted on to help with all the things of the church. And so we, that's who we do count on are those people who've signed up and said, yes, I want to be a member of the church. Um, now there's, we're not finished with folks when they become church members. There, you cannot move to the, the third chair just be, by becoming a Christ follower and going through church membership, joining a church. The next thing we do is we get people to go through class 201. So that's the grow, all right, where second base should be, right, 201. We've, we've done a couple of class 201s. It's discovering spiritual maturity. In this class, we teach you the essential habits you need for spiritual growth, three things you need. And if you have these three tools and you were stranded on a deserted island somewhere, you would continue to grow because you have the tools and the habits to grow spiritually. Um, there's a huge danger, though, if you stay in the second chair. Um, we talked about last week that it's not just diet. The medical community says if we're going to be healthy, we don't just watch what we eat. What's the second part of the equation? Exercise. You've got to serve. Well, I mentioned last week that there's diet driven churches all over this place, all over all over our country, especially in Texas. You know, the, the belt buckle of the Bible belt, all of that stuff. Diet, diet, diet. Feed me, feed me. I want to go deeper. I want worship. I want all that stuff. Well, um, there's a danger if if people get stuck in that place, because you would think that people who are diet driven, that, that just feed on God's word all of the time, that they would be reaching a lot of hellbound people. The reality is, though, I don't see churches that are that are just. And, and by the way, we have to feed on the word of God. Jesus is the bread of life. If you don't feed on him, your soul will starve. So, yes, we have to feed on the word of God, but we've also got to do something. We've got to get off our rears and serve because Jesus Christ himself said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. You want to be like your follower? Then you serve and you give your life as a ransom for many. Well, people that are diet driven, what chair do they sit in? Well, they have a special chair. We call this, this isn't really the high chair, this is the eye chair. Because people who sit in this chair, they are saying, feed me. 
I can't even get it in there. I want to go deeper. I want to, I want to worship. I want to go deeper. Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Mommy, Daddy, feed me. This is the eye chair. And here's the danger. I knew that was going to happen. It happened last time I did that. Here's the danger. People in this chair. And it's the danger that pastors face. And you watch. You, you look around in different churches. People in this chair want the pastor to turn his back on the masses. Turn his back on these three and just spend time feeding them. And a lot of pastors say that. I'll help you go deeper. I'll give you more worship. I'll feed you. And you know the irony of the meistic attitude of the person who's sitting in the eye chair? It is completely opposite of what the Bible describes as spiritual maturity. You cannot sit in the eye chair and grow and move into the third chair of maturity. It, it is an impossibility. Not difficult. Not kind of hard. It is an impossibility to sit in this chair and move to maturity in the third chair. So what are we going to do? We're going to love the people in the eye chair. But the people in the eye chair don't get to, to be in places of leadership in our church. You know who God's looking for? Servants. You know who I'm looking for? I learned this leadership principle a while ago. Folks say they want to serve. You find out if they really want to serve. Clean some toilets. You know who does it most of the time? But you know why I do it? Because those people in that chair right there. So I don't want somebody who's far from God to come in here and see a dirty toilet. Because that reflects on my Savior. And so, um, if you want to grow and mature, then you've got to step forward. The King of Kings said, I came to serve. Not to be served. And every time his followers started arguing about um, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God, you know what he said? He goes, guys, I know that's what you see in the world. You see me first and you step on other people. He said, but that's not how it is in God's spiritual reality. In God's reality, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Now, my kids misuse that verse all the time when we're racing. And whoever loses says that. Well, the first shall be last. You know, that, that's not the way that verse, that's out of context. Because when I give up my rights for you, God says, you become great in my kingdom. When I stand up and I say, my rights are better than your rights, you fall in the kingdom of God. We were having a discussion about this recently. We're talking about, you know, folks have their chairs. Because we talked about this Wednesday night. We talked about it last week. We're going to, if you noticed, I don't know if you noticed, should have been a significant difference this week. I heard there was. Should have been a whole lot more people parking on the back row this week than on the front row. Because we talked about this. We're, we're trying to sit on the front row and park on the back row. That's what we're asking our church members to do. Um, Daryl was complaining that he didn't want to have to turn around. He said, I don't mind sitting on the front row, but I won't have to turn around if you're sitting there. Um, I told him he could turn. But the reason we do that is we want people who come. The last person here ought to have the best parking place. Ought to have the best seat. Because if you ask somebody who's far from God to come in and walk all the way to the front row, how many times are they going to come back to your church? Probably not very many. So we're just trying to serve others. That's what we're wanting to do. Now, there's another step that, uh, that you need to take to move to the third chair. And this is called the survey. This is where we go our 301 class. So third base should be 301. We're going to have our first 301 class this fall. And this is where you learn what your spiritual gift is. It's called discovering my ministry. According to the Bible, God has given every Christian at least one spiritual gift. It's not a skill or a talent. It's a supernatural endowment of God um, 
given to you by his Holy Spirit. And the reason it's given is to build up the church. That's why you were given a spiritual gift to use it to serve. And, and you exercise that gift by serving. Um, when you pulled in the parking lot today, did you see any greeters out in the parking lot? Yeah, those people are serving. Uh, did you drop your kids off downstairs if you have children? Did you give your kids to some workers? Yeah, they're serving. Did you eat back here? Yes, several of you ate. I ate. People chose to serve. If you enjoy the message, if you enjoy the PowerPoint, if you enjoy the, the, the music, that doesn't happen by accident. We don't just show up on Sunday mornings and say, oh, what are we doing today? We plan like crazy because we believe that the ultimate food deserves the ultimate presentation. Those people have chosen to do the work, and we need lots of folks because it takes a lot of work to put on a service like this. Eventually, this next spring, maybe, we're going to have class 401, which you look on your, your, uh, your outline, that's home base. 401 is home plate, discovering my mission in life. And why are we going to do that? You got us serving, now you want us to discover our mission. Because the table should always be in a state of expansion. If mature Christians are going out, reaching people who are far from God, bringing them back, and we have this beautiful ecosystem going on, then we've got to expand the table. As long as there's somebody who's far from God, then we've got to reach out to them. Um, every, every house that you drove past today, I'm willing to make this bet. Somebody who lives in that house is coming to the realization that life isn't fair. That there has to be more to life than just getting up every day, doing your breakfast, driving to work, working eight to ten hours a day, coming home, eating supper, watching a little TV, going to bed, and doing it all over again. That gets old. There's got to be more to that. And so we've got to train people who are in the core to go back out into the community to bring more people in, and then we continue to grow. That's the way it is. It's not enough to serve seekers inside the walls of the church. We're supposed to serve outside. That's why we do community events. That's why we're doing the, the school supplies drive for Northside Elementary School. It's not because we just picked out that school and we said that one's better than any others. It's just we've had some things there. We've done some Christmas presents there. We've begun to build bridges to people who are far from God. It's not their job to build a bridge to come to God. It's our job as followers of Christ to build a bridge and make it easy for them to come to Christ. So we do this. We did the block party. We do all kinds of different things. We've done um, the, the parades. We, we had a booth at the Dogwood Trails Festival. We do those things to build bridges to people who are far from God and, and make relationships with them so that it becomes easier for them to come to the church. If I'm in my boat, which now is running, by the way, if you were at the lake a couple of weeks ago, it wasn't running well. It is now running well. Um, if I'm in my boat and I'm at the lake and I see people drowning around me, and I continue to go, I can't do that. I, couldn't, I could not sleep at night if I were watching people drowning around me. Well, the church is a life-saving station. And for too long, we've been in our little boats doing our own little thing while people are drowning outside. And that is unacceptable. We cannot do that. So in 401, we teach you how to discover the way God wired you to reach people who are far from God. There's six evangelism styles in the New Testament. And God put at least, there's at least six, God put one of those evangelism styles in you. You may not be the person who goes up and knocks on doors and just says, hey, you're going to hell. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. I do not like that. You know, my style is the intellectual style because I love studying. I love questions. Come, come on. Give me questions. I like that. If I don't know the answer, I'll pull out books. I've got stacks of books of just apologetics. And I can wear you out with, with facts. And I do. I, I have to be careful because that's my style I like. I hate 
going to people I don't know and trying to. <laughs> Here, read this. And it says, you're going to hell, sinner. I, that's just not my style. Now, it is some. That's the confrontational style. Peter stood up at, at, after Pentecost and he said, this Jesus you've crucified. He's pointing at the people who hung him on the cross. This, peop, this, this person you crucified, Jesus Christ, he is both Lord and Christ. You did it and you're going to hell. And all of the people went, what must we do to be saved? You know, that's great if God's called you to do that, but that's not my style. And it, it may not be your style either. We're going to teach you in 401 the style that God wired in you um, when he made you. Now, every year we look at how many people are moving around the bases. We look at how many people are, are moving from the community to the core. That's the way you build a church. If you try to build it from the core out, then, then it's real tempting to get into this. And I've seen too many churches do it. Get into the eye chair. Oh, well, I'm spiritually mature. I've done another Bible study. What Bible study are you doing? I don't give a rip what Bible study you're doing if you're not serving. Put it into practice. So we're going to build from the outside in. Because in baseball, how many of y'all baseball fans? Baseball, you have, you know, if you get a baseball card, it tells if you're a, if you're a batter, it tells the, the lifetime batting average. And, and one thing that's good that it doesn't put on there, it doesn't put on your card how many people were left on base when you were up batting. However, if you ever watch a game, that's what they'll say. Somewhere in the game, they'll say the Rangers left 900 men on base today, you know, and they got beat two to one or something like that. And I'm going, yeah, it's, a, it's an exercise of futility because you do not get credit for men left on base. T-ball, man, it is it is a happening thing to get to first base. Woohoo, That's a success. But you're not keeping score in T-ball. You get into the pros, you only get credit for people that come across home plate. And to be honest with you, we only feel we've really succeeded when we take somebody from this chair, bring them all the way back around to home plate till they are going back out into the community, bringing people in, and we move folks through the process. That's how we know what a win is in our church. When people connect to the church, they connect to the Savior, they connect to other people, that's a success in our eyes. Now, where are you in this process? Wherever you are, in the circles of commitment or around the bases, I want to challenge you today to take one step in. The reason the numbers get smaller when you come from the community down to the core is because the commitment level gets higher. Because you take our, our 101 class, we'll ask you to sign a membership form, a membership commitment card, which says, you know, I'll do this, this, this. It's the stuff we talk about. You go through class 201, then you say, I am committing my life to, to the three habits that will help me grow spiritually. So you're making a commitment. We ask you to sign a card. 301, you'll say, I am committing to serve in the area that God has gifted me. In 401, you're saying, I am committing to go back out into the world and use my evangelism style to reach people who are far from God. You become what you're committed to. And so wherever you are in the process, I want to ask you today to move one step in. Now, one of the things that we're going to do, take your, your um, you've got a registration card there. If you'd put your name on it real quickly. Fill out the front side, and then I want you to turn it over to the back. Now, if this is your first time to visit, great. We welcome you, and we're not ever going to put any pressure on you. But I'm going to ask you to consider committing to attend. Committing to ask God, are you for real? Is this church for real? Are these people for real? Or are they just faking it? Ask God to show you, because He'll show you. 
So that's that's just one step in if this is your first time or if you've just been visiting for a while. Some of you have been visiting for quite a while, and it's time that you become church members. It's time that you make that commitment because you've become what you are committed to. Um, move in a notch. There are those um, who are church members that have not ever gone through class 201. And there's an opportunity on the back of the card. Sign up for it. What we're going to try to do is in the next six weeks or so, we're going to try to offer 101, 201, and 301 all together so that in six to eight weeks, you can move from, um, you can move all the way to the core in six to eight weeks and become a part of the, the core leadership of the church because we need people to do that. I told you a couple of weeks ago when God's looking for a place that he's going to birth new Christians, he's looking for the warmest incubator he can find for new Christians, for people in that chair right there. And we need people to help with that. We need mature believers to help with that. So you'll have an opportunity. If you're interested, just check that off. We have a sign-up sheet back there. In the next two to three weeks, we're going to have our next 101 class. We generally do that right after church. We feed you a meal. We have child care. Um, and we're, we're done about 2.30. We do that just because you're here. We try to make it as convenient as possible. Don't try to take up another night of the week or anything like that. So if you're interested in that, Check that off, and, and we'll let you know when that date is going to be. Usually we, we wait till we have 8 to 10 people to do a 101 class just because it's more fun if you have people. <laughs> you know, if you do, if you do just, just a couple of folks, it's not as much fun. I'm a, I'm a people person. The bigger crowd, the, the better I like it. So you can do that. Now, if you've been fed from God's Word, maybe it's time to push away from the table and serve. The, Jesus said, worship the Lord when he was tempted to worship Satan. He says, worship the Lord and serve him only. The reason people get all whacked out in their lives sometimes is because they try to serve without worshiping. The order is worship first. And you see that in the middle of your baseball diamond. And, and by the way, that's going to be a 501 class. We're going to talk about a lifestyle of worship when we get there. You worship first. That gives you the power to serve and to do the other things. If you get it out of order, you get burned out real fast. Um, so with this card, there's several opportunities for you to check off. Um, we have openings in the children's area, and, and you can rotate. Um, Stan and Ann are rotating with folks. They're up here this week. Next week, they'll be down there working. And so you don't have to be there every week. Um, some positions, we do ask you to be every week. But if you're a what's called a cell group leader, which is they have a, a card that they go through, and, and that's their Bible study time, we rotate the, the cell group leaders out each week um, if we have enough volunteers. Uh, there's the youth area. There's small group host home. By the way, if you're a small group host home, you don't have to do jack. If you provide the house, that's all you got to do. You don't have to be the leader. We'll give you a leader. We'll even give you somebody who will plan the meals. So all you do is you vacuum your living room or however much you have to clean up, you know, make sure there's toilet paper in the bathroom, you know, that type of thing. But you don't have to do a whole lot if you're a host home. We just we are so grateful that you're opening up your home that um, uh, we'll provide the other things. And by the way, in September, we're going to have a special Sunday where we call it Connection Sunday, where we're going to start as many new small groups as we can, um, because we believe that folks connect best in small groups. You can you can worship in a crowd, but you cannot fellowship in a crowd. Wednesday night, we talked about it. we had about 25 people here Wednesday night, even in a group of 25. We didn't fellowship until we broke up around the tables and then we had fellowship around the table when we prayed together and we shared together. That's what a small group is. Um, let's see. You can sign up to be a, a child care for small groups. Um, that's a lot of us swap off doing child care. Janie and I and, and Wes and Jen a lot of times have, have volunteered for the Sokolowski small group. They volunteer for our small group so that we don't have to pay for it because it gets old paying for child care, especially when you've got 12 to 14 kids and you know, you've got to pay a lot of 
child care workers. So you can you can sign up to serve in that way. Greeters, food ministry and by food ministry, we mean Sunday morning, but also meals at home after after folks uh, after childbirth or if there's illness or surgery or something like that. You can do that. Connection ministry. That's making sure that everybody who walks in that door. And I don't know if you realize this. I try to shake hands with everybody who comes through the door. Because I want, I want at least to make sure that one person has shook their hand and welcomed them and gotten their name. And my goal is that we get to the point that the first five minutes that we're here, that we don't talk to people we already know. We look and find people we don't know and try to make a connection with them. Not only on Sundays, but then the connection ministry person will help make sure they get a card and a phone call that week just saying, hey, we're glad you're there. Uh, any questions that I can answer for you? We're going to be starting our, our Celebrate Recovery group this uh, fall. And if you're interested in that, you can check that. So here's what we need you to do. We want to build believers and we want to serve seekers. We want to continue to reach up. That's worship. We want to continue to reach out. That's that's evangelism. We want to continue to reach in. That's discipleship and fellowship. So just check off a little box. We need a lot of help for people to step up and serve. But here's another thing I want you to consider doing. How about giving? Oh, no. If you've been here any amount of time, you know, I don't talk a whole lot about it. We don't expect our guests to give. We will never ask guests to give. We believe that God has called the members of the church. And that's one of the things we talk about in membership class. We believe that 10 percent is is the that's what God said. I didn't make up the 10 percent number. God made that up. And so we believe that members ought to give 10 percent of their income. And and quite honestly, um, you know, a lot of us have been picking up the tab for a lot of time. You ever go to a restaurant and, and somebody else, you know, you're always picking up their tab. We will continue to give because we love giving and we will give sacrificially. But this this worship area did not happen because we wished it. People gave so this could happen. People gave so that we could do this stuff so we could have the the computers and, and the sound equipment. People give. And so maybe it's time that if you've not given anything, maybe it's time you give five bucks a week. Take one step from where you are. If you say 10 percent, no, stinking wait, that's OK. Start with one percent. But just choose to give one of the keys to God's blessing in your life. Now, don't don't think I'm saying that if you give, God's going to give you back 10 times what you give. No, that's not necessarily true. But God will bless your life because when I give. It just shows that, number one, God's in control and I recognize God's in control. It all belongs to him. But it also shows that money is not my God. And I get to invest over the past three years. I don't even know how many thousands of dollars Janie and I have donated to the church, not because we you know, want pats on the back, but because we wouldn't we don't want to give our money anywhere else. Because we're investing for eternity here. We may not get the stock return, you know, 15 to 20 percent there, but we get 100 percent back in heaven for whatever we invest in the church. So maybe it's time for some of you to step up there. Do you know Christ talked more about the financial thing than he did anything else? You know why? Because he knew we'd struggle with it, especially here in America. So consider doing that. The last thing we want to become is a me church. One of the things we talk about is service or serve us. We want to be known as a service church, not a serve us church. We want to be known as service from the beginning, we said that's what we were going to do. And I want to know, I'm, I'm asking today, who's going to step up to the plate and begin to serve? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for today and I thank you for the chance to worship you and to think about commitment and to think about who you are and to think about the people that are at this table. 
God, help us never to be satisfied. Help us to get out of the eye chair, to get into the service chair, and to reach people who are far from you. We want to be a place that you would be proud of. We want to be a place, God, that you would attend worship if you were hanging out here in this world. And so in order to do that, we've got to reach out to people who are far from God. Help us to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.